0: The Telegraph. the Telegraph Podcasts
2: Hi, you're listening to Fashion Unzipped. I'm your host Charlie Gowns eglinton and with me in the studio today, hi Charlie, hi Emily. You might recognize the dulcet tones of today's guest because she's not a guest at all. She's Fashion Unzips' OG host, Emily Cronin. I'm back. Welcome back, Emily. Thank you. It's good to be back. Emily, for those of you who don't know, has been on maternity leave. How's uh, baby Leo?
1: He's still waiting to be invited back into the studio, but he is otherwise very happy. I don't know. His rider was a bit diva I know. Mm. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, I've been out having a lovely time on maternity leave and, of course, listening from home. And I know that you You have been. Yes, of course I have been. I haven't wanted to miss anything. Eek. What did you think? What have you liked? What have you not liked? I think you've had some great coups. I mean, getting Alexandra Shulman and Ava Chen. Thank you. I'm very proud of those. Alexandra Shulman in particular. I was very nervous. It sort of felt like a job interview because the woman edited Vogue for 25 years. Definitely. I can see. I was actually listening to that thinking how nerve wracking it must have been. But it you was. were in the interview receipt, so that's that's a little bit of an inversion there.
2: That That's true. And she was very honest. She was very open. We had fun. And Ava Chen was great. She is head of fashion at Instagram, so she knows all things social media. But we also found time to talk about crisps and dinosaurs. And to
1: do a little boomerang, I hope.
2: A little bit of videoing, but I need to work on my angles, if I'm honest. <laughs> it's fitting that our resident American should be rejoining us this week of all weeks,
1: it's New York Fashion Week. Well, I couldn't miss any of the shows. That's why I've come back now, so that I uh, so that I know exactly what's in store for the next season. And New York is a great place to start. What have you loved so far? What would be on your fantasy shopping list? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I think with New York, for me personally, I always, when, when I'm not there, and I'm not because I'm in the studio with you, which is just as great of a place to be, Charlie, <laughs> uh, it's, there's always a tension between wanting to know everything that's happening and not wanting to feel major FOMO. Um, so I think, you know, I've sort of like dipped in judiciously to to the shows. And the show that I think will go down as the moment of the week had to be Ralph Lauren. He set up a Ralph's Club, very 1920s flapper style. He showed a collection that was just full throttle Ralph Lauren, red carpet glamour, based on the tux and Bella Hadid in one hell of a plunging ruby red Sequin dress. And uh, and the culmination was Janelle Monáe singing in a tux gown, like crawling around the room on all fours and getting Ralph to do some karaoke. So that would definitely, uh, to me, that seems like the moment of New York Fashion Week so far. But in terms of what I'd actually wear, uh, I find it in- just as interesting to look at who's at the shows and what they're wearing. So I loved the Ella Johnson collection. And I also loved that when you looked at the front row, everyone at Ola Johnson was wearing Ola Johnson. Spawn? Hashtag Spawn, do we think? Probably. I don't know. I mean, that brand, it, even years ago, like when I lived in New York, you would go to the presentations, which would be very small scale, and the women circulating, it you know, we're all wearing what Ola does very well, which are these kind of wafty, boho, midi dresses, in really beautiful fabrics with lovely details like, like you know, tassels at the waist or uh, metallic foil accents. Uh, it was almost it would be almost hard to tell who was working with the brand and who was just there as an admirer. I always think that at Tory Burch shows. It feels like you've walked into sort of a Upper East Side brunch by yes, accident. Yes. And Tori's the hostess with the most, for sure. <laughs> she really is. I also loved some of the color combinations that we've seen filter through. I loved The Seas Martian Show. Yes, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> he is such a master of color, Sandalak. He's like a painter. Um, the lilac and the red mm. really got me. And then also at, at Tibby, the beautiful like tonal green and plum looks were... I, I just wanted to eat them up.
2: I think it's always interesting when you start to see the color combinations coming through in New York, because really the big trends of the season don't crystallize until Paris. And you can't tell what's going to be a big trend and what's going to be, you know, in three weeks time, we've forgotten about it. But I think that eye for color that we saw at C's Martian and Tibby, I think that's, those combinations are going to be important.
1: And those are also, that's news you can use now, right? Like anyone can can kind of use that to put together an outfit that feels fresh, that maybe incorporates colour in a way that you wouldn't have before seeing that collection. But what else did you love?
2: I also loved Carolina Herrera's, those full kind of ball skirts with matching belts, so kind of floral with a matching belt, and they're to the ground. But Wes Gordon had paired them with um, white cotton shirts that were quite boxy and quite stiff. And it, it reminded me of the Sharon Stone Oscars look that, the Duchess of Sussex then kind of recreated um, that full satin skirt with the white with the gap button down shirt (laughs) exactly Um, and I yeah I loved it I thought that's a really kind of wearable party look and there are lots of party looks actually kind of ahead of Christmas even though these are spring summer collections you know the tuxedos there's tons of satin there's loads of velvet as well amazing
1: textures around it was confusing from a seasonal perspective actually wasn't it very confusing from a seasonal perspective
2: but we sort of don't have seasons anymore
1: we don't i mean i'm wearing a, right now in the studio i'm wearing a spring summer dress but with knee high leather boots you know it's it there's definitely more of like a of a mix and match and layer it on approach than well, there ever has been before
2: and i don't know i certainly don't pack away my summer wardrobe and move into my winter wardrobe i mean i have holiday clothes i have a few specific holiday clothes but i don't have summer and winter and i think you know tibby was showing summer cashmere i mean a bit sweaty for the tube but the
1: fact that we even need summer cashmere i mean global warming well do we do we need summer cashmere (laughs) Or is it a nice-to-have? Is it more of a nice-to-have than a need, maybe? Maybe like a a cool evening in the Hamptons. On Como, you know. Oh, yeah. On On the
2: boat, maybe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that is true. It's cool on the boat. Mm. Sarah Kennedy, an expat fashion journalist who now lives in New York, is our woman on the ground this week. She's been front row at all the big shows, and we're going to give her a ring. Hello? Hi, Sarah. Hi. (laughs) It's Charlie.
0: Hi Charlie, how are you?
2: I'm good, how are you? Oh good, thank you, yep Sorry to call you quite so early when you've had quite a few late nights from the sounds of things Oh don't
0: worry (laughs) Oh don't worry, and it's actually um, marching on towards 11 now So I'm about to head out to some more shows I'm doing well actually, but I did pull a late night last night, has to be said Has to be said (laughs) Filing your copy for us Yes, yeah, filing copy, but I'd been out for a quick dinner before, and um, I just went mad with the cheesy pasta and kind of fell asleep. <laughs> so I had to really start shaking myself off, you know, with the old uh, G&Ts at about 1am. But look, I did it. <laughs> I did
1: it. That's the Fashion Week diet, though. You've
0: got to keep know, your really energy is. up.
1: What did you make of Tom Ford and in the abandoned subway station?
0: I really, really loved it. I really thought that he was um, hitting his stride with this super simple looks, really kind of uh, downtown-ish, sort of young. Um, It felt like a a kind of a 1970s, 80s kind of show. And um, I really, there was a great atmosphere, the, the lighting, everything about it was just special. It felt like a fashion show from way back but also from way in the future it was just brilliant and Sarah
2: one of the shows that's resonated probably the most for us back in the UK mm-hmm. yeah. is Tory Birch because it was all inspired by Princess Diana
0: Yes, that was that was the basis for her fabrics, colours, um, really beautiful floral prints. I'm not a big floral fan and we didn't see it much anywhere else this, this season, which I was glad about, but it worked really well there. And also, um, you know, those full elbow length sleeves Knee-length dresses, belted at the waist. There was so much of Princess Diana there that um, I think everyone really appreciated the, the, the throwback, the, the sort of studied volume, if you like, which was what uh, Tory Birch was calling the shape. It, it was full but not too flouncy. So It, was it wasn't like Princess Di- not like Princess Di at some hideous garden party later in her career, but it was early, early young Diana Spencer. Although I thought it was interesting because.
2: What's credited as kind of Diana's most stylish era is post kind of meeting Gianni Versace and, and that sleekifying of Princess Diana. This was yeah. kind of mid-80s, some polka dots, some florals, some proper puff sleeves.
1: And the collars yeah. and the sort of peering out from underneath the hair, shyness. That, yeah. That's what made it seem youthful to me was that it was Probably more based on like nineteen-year-old nursery school teacher Diana than than like the glamorous Versace era Diana.
0: I think that's absolutely right. I mean that that was definitely what appealed to New Yorkers. There, you know, people like Leandra Medine, the blogger. Um, you know, Emily Blunt was there in a, in a really gorgeous trouser suit. Um, people had picked out. Pretty but groovy, kind of youthful feeling looks that were definitely rooted in early Diana, and you know those kind of shapes pop, popped up really everywhere: big collars, um, nicely gathered in waists, full skirts, but not enormous skirts, um, and just that kind of simplicity that I I've always kind of discarded from the 80s um, but now I'm, I'm revisiting it and I think everyone else is too it, it's pretty a bit artsy very nice why do you think we're having such
2: a Princess Diana moment because this comes hot on the heels of that Vogue Paris editorial with Hayley Bieber Baldwin or Baldwin Bieber yeah. or whoever yeah. she's <laughs> hyphenating that <there>. um, <laughs> yeah. where she had recreated <laughs> Hayley. We'll just call her Hayley. She'd recreated. Well, a Vogue Vogue Paris stylist had recreated on her some of Diana's kind of more casual looks. The mum jeans with the blazer, the sweatshirts over cycling shorts. Not necessarily what we would think of as her chicest moments, but somehow incredibly of the moment again.
0: I, I think so, and I think that fashion really likes to um, open our eyes. At the fashion world. When I say fashion, I mean you know the stylists at Paris Vogue, um, people with their eye on just on change and moving the needle forwards, um, have picked that kind of look that Diana did so well from the early eighties as a, which is kind of cemented in my head as a very old fashioned look was really uncool oh my god you know middle middle america kind of 60 year old moms on the tour bus but they're fashionable again now it's 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 back i'm I, you know i think i'm just going to go to kind of like Moline, illinois and- just do some shopping,
1: <laughs> right? I mean, is this going to lead to a run on on '80s and '90s era Laura Ashley dresses on eBay? Like, what's going to be the way to? Oh yeah, make that's sure... already that's already begun. So even at Kate, yes. there were a couple of like kind of ruched bodice, sweetheart neckline dresses that had that that V waistline that that is very familiar from Laura Ashley. But what's that? What's the key to making it very 2020? as opposed to just looking like you're, you know, wearing your childhood dresses?
0: Well, you know, I mentioned that in my roundup because I picked out a couple of other looks that were similar from self-portrait, but to the Kate dresses, which were really gorgeous. And I thought they they had a bit of touch of the Saloon Girl, you know, a bit of the Wild West. And that that was a big trend in New York at the moment, sticking on a cowboy hat or a big petticoat and some boots. There's this kind of... It's, it's not really country music. It's more, uh, you know, the Deadwood Saloon or um, it's its a kind of like a paired back but very cool look. And, I, and so I think that's the way to dress up those dresses. You know, those longer dresses, you need some ankle boots and, you know, maybe a cowboy hat, a bit of swagger rather than, um, you know, pretty pumps or... A frilly ankle
2: sock. This, again, Sorry. is is another kind of reference to a different decade and, and period drama dressing, really. Because Greta yes. Gerwig's Little Women, which is coming out this autumn, yes. the first kind of teaser image of that came out in the summer. And it was these prairie dresses that are quite like uh, yes, that Laura Ashley... And it again, that seems incredibly of the moment. You know, it's not it does. wildly dissimilar you... to the dress Emily's wearing today in the studio.
0: Right. But, you know, it's slightly different because, um, you know, the prairie dresses we've seen, they've been so far kind of a bit voluminous, a bit pinaforey, a little bit Little House on the Prairie. Mm-hmm. But now this kind of little women element, it's pulling in bodices much tighter, um, you know, sleeves are tighter. There's, there's perhaps something really like a bit of a kind of a frilly undervest or petticoat or something or a strap popping out. There's kind of just that element of youthful, tried, pulled it all on together, laced up the bodice really quickly, then ran out of the house. It's that kind of feeling. So I like it. You know, it's not Victorian nursemaid. It's much more Joe March or or, uh, um, somebody, you know, uh, the saloon girl at the gem in Deadwood.
2: (laughs) So, Sarah, what show are you off to next?
0: Just about to go to Gabriella Hurst, which um, is going to be interesting because everything in the collection has been um, sustainably sourced. I hope that's the right wording. I can't yep. put my well, email up is, to check, but but you know it's a big. It, she really is striding forward on that.
2: This is an industry first. She's she's um, advertising it as a carbon neutral show. That's right. Yes. So she's going to be completely offsetting her carbon footprint, yeah. and also making a donation on behalf of every guest to a yeah. to a non profit.
1: So exciting! It almost seems like calculated to. Um to defend against the sort of climate extinction activism that we're going to see at London Fashion Week, doesn't it? Yeah, Mm
0: -hmm. it really does. Oh, that's right, Emily. It really does. And it also... brings it back to the forefront because I've got to say, I haven't seen much of it this Fashion Week in New York. Gabriella Hearst is really the one of the few names that's pushing this. Um, Philip Lim mentioned it in his show notes yesterday. He's working with brands that adhere to those principles. But overall, I, I didn't feel that, that there was as much movement in that direction as there should be. So um, I definitely think that... Um, Gabriella Hurst is pushing, really, still pushing forward, and and it needs to be done because it's slow to catch on here. And the show will be beautiful as well. I mean, it will be amazing. I don't know. I don't know what to expect this time, but it's always so um, easy and graceful, kind of adult. But uh, um, when I say adult, I mean, I guess I mean clothes to kind of for a considered person to wear. But they're clothes for real life as well. Yeah, you know,
2: absolutely. Yes. There's nothing silly about anything. There's nothing
0: novelty. No, you you don't feel overdressed, or um, you don't. You wouldn't wear the, her clothes and walk into a place and think, "Oh God, everyone's looking at me. This isn't right." <laughs> <laughs> well, enjoy. Sarah. Not that I ever think that. I will
2: do. <laughs> and thank, I will. Thank you so much for talking to us. It's lovely to hear from you. Thank you. You too. Have Thanks, a good day. Sarah. Have a good day. Thank Bye. you, Emily. Bye. I'm interested to see what the first carbon neutral fashion show looks like.
1: It's so fascinating, isn't it? There was a there's an article a few days ago in American Vogue online um about you know, like what is the carbon footprint of a fashion show because it turns out that no one had ever calculated this. And it has to embrace not just, you know, the footprint of the of the clothes production, but of course, flying in all the models and all of the editors and driving or walking or. Or taking the subway to the shows and the construction of this set, which is really brought together for such a short period. Um, so even just knowing how much she had to offset was a tremendous challenge for Gabriella Hurst, I'm sure. Mm. But another way to be more sustainable is, is to buy and wear clothes that literally will look good forever, which is the approach taken by Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen at The Row.
2: I mean, it still surprises me that Mary-Kate and Ashley have founded this brand that is just the epitome of chic. It's astonishing, isn't it? You would think, child stars, no one's going to pay £3,000 for your cashmere coat. We will. Well, we won't, personally. I I won't, but people do. But people with £3,000 do,
1: because they are beautiful clothes. You're right. And so well made. So restrained, and the palette is just, you know, perfection. Um, But then on the other end of the spectrum, you had... Like the Tommy and Zendaya show and you had the Blondes, which is like a very New York fashion duo putting on a, a production of Moulin Rouge slash fashion show. Oh, my God, Charlie, it involved Paris Hilton flying in on a sequin moon. Of course it did. Of course it did. And Listen,
2: You can't see my face, but the consternation is the word I would use. <laughs> they
1: sold tickets. They sold out, I think. <laughs> um yeah, it, it, it's like a city of extremes right now in New York.
2: Well, t- because Tommy Hilfiger with this kind of see now, buy now format and always aligning himself now with a with a celebrity. So it was Gigi Hadid and now it's Zendaya. It's definitely working for that brand as a business model. You know, it's, it's selling product. For that
1: demographic. I mean, they're definitely getting people talking. Did you see they had Ashley Graham on the catwalk? It was her first, well, visibly pregnant catwalk appearance. I thought she looked fabulous. She always does. (laughs) Past fashion unzipped guest. (laughs) But
2: not all the talking points
1: have been on the
2: catwalk, of course. Rihanna has just arrived in New York for her own Savage Fenty lingerie presentation, carrying the tiniest bag. So most of us at the airport, you've got luggage, you're wheeling a suitcase, you've got a giant carry-on bag, maybe with one of those neck cushions hanging from it. Very chic you probably look terrible. Rihanna, no. She was carrying no luggage. She was just carrying a little kind of thumb-sized Delvo bag, bright yellow, like a New York taxi with the black and white checkerboard print of a New York taxi.
1: I mean, Rihanna has people for the carry-ons and for the luggage and for the neck pillows and probably for the looking terrible too. She doesn't have to do any of that. Do you think
2: there's anything in the tiny
1: bag? No. Nothing at all? No. But
2: see... I thought this was one of those trends that would only exist at Fashion Week and only celebrities and or street stylers would be carrying, you know, Jacquemus's two-inch tiny bag that we saw on the February catwalks. But I was on holiday in Mallorca last week. I was in Dea, which is a mountain town, and I saw a woman <laughs> literally outside my Airbnb with
1: a tiny pale pink Jacquemus bag. The thing that I find mystifying about this is, like, so before this, Jacquemus had the enormous sun hat, the enormous beach hat, right? Parasol-sized. Parasol-sized. Functional, keeps you in the shade, good for, like, avoiding sun da- skin damage. You might get
2: neck injury, though, a
1: bit heavy. Yeah, but does make you look smaller. Mm. Mini bag does the opposite, mm-hmm. makes you look mm-hmm. bigger. So I have to say I'm really surprised that this trend has legs, legs. Uh, I I kinda think it only works like when it's someone who doesn't have to carry anything else at all and then it makes it a total power move. A la Rihanna. You
2: could fit like a a single tampon in there.
1: Not one with an applicator. <laughs> You could fit maybe, like the strip inside a fortune cookie, but not the cookie <laughs> itself, like just, you know, the fortune There's, we should see if we can get one into the office just so we can see exactly what you how fitting. many m ms can you fit in this mini
2: bag? <laughs> like five tops? Not enough. <laughs> not enough. no. We also saw Katie Holmes
1: pushing cardigans again.
2: I'm really, i'm I'm living for Katie Holmes's breakup star reinvention,
1: I think you mean breakover, Charlie.
2: Is it her mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see what you've done. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not personally going to be wearing a cashmere bra and matching cardigan, but I thought she looked great. It would be a bit sweaty, wouldn't it? it?
1: would be a bit sweaty. But it definitely is a sexy cardi on our Notting Hill. That is one way to do a sexy cardi for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I I just think like Katie Holmes is always so tasteful that to see her doing anything borderline, like, fashion fashion or fashion fashionable is uh, it sort of jarring and it makes you look twice. And, and we're, we're interested because of the contrast with complete and utter tastefulness that she usually presents. I like that. This is my theory. I like your
2: theory. How did you feel about Kate Moss and Lila Grace, mother-daughter dressing at Longchamp? I mean, at a glance, they weren't twinning because Kate was in black and Lila was in pastel green. But... They were both wearing – how do you say that? Is it sheared? Shared. Shared. I've always wondered. They were both wearing shared, you know, elasticated around the body, which is not easy for anyone to wear, mini skirts. Lila's was a bit of a crop top. She had a bit of tum out, um, which Kate did not. How do you feel about mother-daughter dressing, Emily? You have a daughter.
1: I have a daughter, and I would love to dress like her sometimes because she's, frankly, mad with her with her dress sense. Over the weekend, she wore a black-and-white, um, like, alpine ski-patterned jumper with black-and-white leopard-print leggings, and I was like, wish I'd thought of that. Chic. It sounds a bit Isabel Moran. It was brilliant. Um, but I think that if I dressed like her, I would feel like I was dressing like a toddler, whereas if you look at Lila Grace and, and Kate Moss— they're both dressed appropriately. I mean, personally, I prefer Kate's outfit, luckily, because it's much more age-appropriate. Um, it, it, she's a little bit more covered. It's a bit more flowy, and she's letting her daughter do the the bared upper midriff and the and the trainers. I think it, they look fab. They do look fab. I mean, Kate doesn't seem to age. I don't know if she's made some kind of death becomes her pact, but it's looks- worth it. I mean, I would I would make that pact to look like her, wouldn't you? Wouldn't we all? But, you know, the problem with mother-daughter dressing is that it invites comparison and that usually someone comes out lacking. And in this case, they've both played to their strengths. And by the way, they're smiling. They look really happy to be there together. Good for them.
2: Well, that's all we've got time for, sadly. We'll be back next week with a London Fashion Week special. What are you looking forward to from London? Um, The funeral for fashion that is going to be staged by protest group Extinction Rebellion. I mean, we'll already Um, all be wearing black. Yeah, So we're dressed for the occasion. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully no one will be throwing paint at us, um, which is what we go about our jobs. Um, But really, I'm looking forward to my favorite shows, which are Erdem, Amelia Wickstead, Preen, Margaret Howell, always. How about you, Emily?
1: Honestly, Charlie, I'm just looking forward to getting back into Fashion Week. That's why I came back to work now, so that I would be able to be there with the team at the show, seeing it all as it happens, and not having to watch it from home on my on my iPhone screen. So, so yeah, I'm also excited about Preen Erdem, Roxanda, Amelia, all the usuals, um, and also hoping to see something that is genuinely new and surprising. That maybe you couldn't plan ahead to be excited about, but that ends up being one of the most thrilling takeaways from the week.
2: Wouldn't that be wonderful? And maybe having a glass of wine in between shows. Oh yes.
1: Okay, good. let's
2: please. From now on we're going to be tinkering with the format a little bit so sometimes you'll hear me on the mic and sometimes Emily will be taking the lead. Either way, we're determined to bring you the most exciting fashion content we can and we'd love to hear from you. What would you like to hear more of, less of? You can join the conversation by emailing us at fashionunzipped at uk, or finding us on Instagram and Twitter at Charlie Gowans and at... Emily Crow. Emily Crow, chic, I like it. And you can sign up for 30 days free access to all of our online coverage, which means fashion show reviews, those magical moments that Emily mentioned, by joining us at telegraph.co.uk forward slash fashion unzipped sub. Thank you so much. Thank you. See you next week. Do you have a friend who never pays their share of the bill? Or are your parents wasting your inheritance on flash cars and Caribbean cruises? Or maybe you have two children, but you can only afford to send one to a fee-paying school.
0: The common thread? Money. And the
2: moral problems that it so often leaves in its wake. I'm Lauren Davidson. And I'm Sam Meadows. We both report on personal finance for The Telegraph. And each week on our podcast, Moral Money. We're joined by one of our paper's best-loved columnists to unpick the thorny financial issues sent in by listeners. From stretching your work expenses to the ethics of paying less tax, this is the ultimate guide to what's okay and what's not in the blurred world of money morals. It's heated. It's lively. And it might even help you become a better person. Search for Moral Money in your favourite podcast app and click subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode.